Welcome everyone to the Pantheon. I am your host, Ray Schoenberg. And once a month, I get the privilege to host and review a Razzie-nominated film. So to put into some context, it's the third Monday of every month I get to review a Razzie-dominated film. And today, I've got the great fortune, or, uh, yeah, great fortune, to review a Hilary Duff film. It is The Haunting of Sharon Tate. It debuted on April 2019, and it stars Hilary Duff, and it's produced by Hilary Duff. So, ultimately, the buck stops with her uh, for any blame I'm going to give to this film. But I'm going to start off on the positive, because realistically, uh, no one really tries to do a bad film. It's actually... I think there was... The intent was to be creatively different, and... uh, it was written and directed by uh, Daniel Ferrand, who is, at this point now, I'm going to call him an auteur director, because he's written most of the stuff that he's directed. Uh, he's mostly known for being a writer. He wrote, actually, he, his big first writing gig, I guess, according to IMDb, is um, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, he wrote that uh, piece. Of course, uh, John Carpenter and his wife uh, gets credit for that, for creating the characters, but he actually wrote that uh, f- that film. He is an accomplished director, writer. He's starting to direct now, mostly in the last five years. Uh, his big breakthrough film was The Amityville Murders, and then in 2018, uh, that was 2018, and in 2019, he did The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Uh, not too long after that, that same year, he did uh, The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson with Mina Savari. And then recently, it's not out yet, it is a film he just did called The American Boogie Woman. It's about Ar- Arlene, I think I think it's pronounced uh, Eileen Warnors. Uh, it's the, uh, you know, the, you might, the name may sound familiar to you or the, the story. Uh, Charlize Theron uh, won the Oscar for the movie Monster, who it was based on. Uh, she co-starred with uh, Christina Ricci. Uh, and of course, she made herself look completely like non-glamorous for the role uh, because this person was a female serial killer so american booger woman will be coming out it stars lydia hurst uh, who is in this film the haunting of sharon tate so that's my connection the bridge into the haunting of sharon tate so uh, let's get into this movie uh i'm going to say this the reason why i think hillary duff believes she could pull this off is because she was pregnant with her first child she was eight months pregnant and while doing this movie and so she pretty much can basically the sharon tate's character was pregnant in terms of the story the time frame so that would be the only uh, connection or authenticity that i think hillary duff brought to the role oh by the way i want to say uh congratulations to mrs duff uh, hillary duff uh, just had her second child. Uh, it was at the end of uh, March, so that's I, I, you know I want to say congratulations and I'm happy for her. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to talk smack about her film. So uh, there's kind of a that's just the nature of it. Uh, I'm going to apologize upfront if it sounds too condescending or mean. Now, it's not my intention to do to do anything that's very necessarily mean about the things I'm reviewing, but this film is crazy. Like it's it's nuts. Um, so Daniel Forent, so he's done a lot of short films. He started off doing a lot of like documentary shorts too as a director. Uh, he profiled a lot of like um, 
reviews for you know the Halloween Michael Ma- Ma- Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees movies. Uh, he's I think he's, I think he did like two or three documentary shorts, and of course the Amityville stuff. So uh, he his his wheelhouse is really is doing with horror, the horror genre or the horror thriller. Um, this movie. The Haunting of Sharon Tate has a runtime of 94 minutes. It's described as a drama, horror, a thriller film. And uh, and it's about the... Uh, you know what? Before, let, let, before I even get into what I think it is, let's, I'll get into the IMDb description to give you kind of a better, a better explanation of what this is. I want to be as clear as possible uh, before I discuss this and be... Um, give you sort of an abstract thought. So, here we go. So, according to IMDb... It's about pregnant with director Robert Robert Zemeckis. Sorry, wrong director. Pregnant with director uh, Roman Polanski's child and awaiting his return from Europe, twenty-six-year-old Hollywood actress Sharon Tate becomes plagued by visions of her imminent death. This is all very true. Believe it or not, this is actual canon in terms of this is what really happened. Polanski was filming overseas. Sharon Tate was in Hollywood and the events of the Manson family uh, uh, and ultimately her demise and the people who were with her at the time all happened. Uh, this, I think one of the things, one of, one of the things that brought a lot of light to this film, a lot of attention to this film and maybe some unwanted comparison was Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which came out um, a little earlier and that got a lot of uh, I would say buzz because when you actually saw the film, it was actually well done. And the scene uh, itself played as a fable. That was the catch. It was the fable of true of Hollywood as we think it is. In my personal opinion of the Brad Pitt character, I thought of him as being more of the Robert Wagner, Natalie Wood character because of his backstory. So these are just stories, fables, or rumors or uh, historical instances that he uh, Tarantino kind of mishmashed into the fabric of his film. So I think he took a lot of true true life stories and sort of fabricated that into his tapestry of a um, multiverse type of like storyline of once upon a time in Hollywood. So this kind of movie is sort of in the same um, no, you know what? No, it's, no, it's not in the same kind of like thinking. Uh, Duran, uh, Dur- uh, sorry, Ferran, Dran- Daniel Ferran likes to do films, and and kind of his 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 signature move is to make it as a documentary film. So he'll splice together actual documentary news clips. So there's like several sequences uh, that you'll see actual uh, film film footage of. Uh, documentary film footage that was actually fused in with this and that's both a blessing and a, and a curse because it starts off amazing i think the first 20 minutes of this movie really gets you in because they're incorporating uh the, the camp there's a scene where the camera is panning into the home of where, of where uh, sharon tates and the victims were attacked and they're actually superimposing or cutting into actual stock footage from the newscast from I guess it was Dan Rather or Cronkite I forgot who it was uh, who and they're and they're uh, they're discussing the, the massacre and that is that is really good because it kind of sets up a, a tone for you it's it's bringing some stakes in it and it's making and it's really really good so uh, 
So the first 30 minutes of this movie, I'm going to say to Daniel Ferran, hands down, well done, sir. You know, and if you look at the Nicole Brown Simpson, uh, the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson with Mina Sorvari, uh, he does the exact same thing. And and that is where I think it gets a little eerie and a little strange. And I think some people, some critics have faulted him on it because it's just, uh, this is still fresh in the minds of the people who, who, who were there. The victims and the families are still around. Not so much of the Sharon Tate. I mean, it's in the 60s, right? So, I mean, and Manson did pass away not too long ago. Uh, but it's still sort of fresh in the minds of everybody, you know. And, of course, the Arlene Warnors uh, story, that is still very fresh. I mean, she's still in prison. And it's it's, it's it, these are topics. And if, I'm going to show her he's going to use actual documented footage or newsreels and implement that into his uh, overall narrative. There's two things that are jarring for me. Um, Hilary Duff doesn't look anything like Sharon Tate. Um, other than the fact that she's eight months pregnant and doing this movie, and she was able to channel that part of her, that, that emotional feeling, the vulnerability, and all that stuff, uh, kudos to her, because she was doing sort of a method acting type thing. So that's, I understand that, and I'm giving trying to give her as much credit as humanly possibly as I can. Uh, but she looks nothing like Sharon Tate, and I'm not sure why how, why Daniel decided to cut back and forth a couple not once but a few times between a close up of Sharon Tate and Hillary Duff, and going back and forth and showing these two almost in, in sync with one another because it doesn't work. It's jarring as all hell, and it doesn't make sense because uh, once once you realize having Hillary Duff put side by side without any prosthetics or, or any kind of treatment to her to help her look more like Sharon Tate doesn't really work. It, it takes you out of the film. And that is one of the faux pas of this movie. The other one is just the acting. The acting is bonkers. I'm not an actor and I, I can't even hold a Shakespearean soliloquy and do Shakespeare with a gravitas that you know, you would want to see in that kind of film or that kind of play, or I can't even, you know, I'm not, I'm not an actor. I, so I, for me to talk smack about their acting, um, is because as an audience member watching the performances, I have friends in high school theater who did, does it better. And, uh, I'll give you an example. There's a sequence where the three, there are three characters who are at the pool side of the house. That is Sharon Tate, uh, Jay Sebring, and uh, Abigail Folger. Uh, these are the actual people who were there. Uh, uh, Jay was Sharon Tate's hairstylist, and Abigail Folger, uh, as the name would suggest, she is the heiress of Folger's Coffee. She is the daughter of the company. Okay, and of course, all of them die. Okay, spoiler alert, everyone dies in this film. But uh, anyway, so the actors is Lydia Hurst, it is Jonathan Bennett, who you know him from Mean Girls or Cake Wars, if you've watched the Food Network, and Hilary Duff. Anyways, they're talking. They're getting to a, a discussion, or it doesn't even matter what the discussion is about. If they're in, whether they're emotional, which they are, whether they're arguing, whether they're trying to deliver a point, the acting makes no sense. They deliver the performances really well. They have, they're channeling an emotion, which is what you're supposed to do as an actor, I'm sure. But they could be in a booth, covered in in four like a concrete wall, all three of them, and 
tell and then someone's telling them to, to say their lines. That's what it feels like. That's the best way to describe it because they're in they're looking at each other, or actually they're not even looking at each other directly. They're just saying the way someone's talking, they're saying their line, the other person's talking, they're saying their line, and the third person's talking, they say their lines. And it's supposed to be like an actual conversation. It has it's supposed to be it's supposed to be an actual dialogue or an exchange or or heated up emotional outbreak of Hillary Duff's character losing her, her herself because she's feeling existential dread of what's coming and and they're just trying to help her out. You have all these things. But none of these people are connecting. It's like they're not even in the same room. They're just talking and it's just, you, you feel nothing for these people. They're talking to a wall. I've never seen people who are trained actors not knowing how to connect with one another. Ferran took actual concepts that took place. Like Helter Skelter, the song from the Beatles, uh, subliminal messages that, like the track tape where when you reverse the tape backwards play it backwards uh, you hear the subliminal message of Helter Skelter they was believed to be a satanic verse um, of course the Beatles denied this and they wasn't, it wasn't never their intention uh, if you listen to the actual song it's not even as horrific as what Manson made it to be uh, But so they incorporated that because the Manson family was into did, was actually was into that I, for a double feature there's a movie called Reeker it came, came out in 2005 it stars Michael Ironside it stars uh, a very young uh, Ariel Kebble uh, she's not much of a Hollywood A-list actor I'd say she's a really prolific character actress uh, you've seen her in a lot of TV shows headlining shows like uh, well I won't say which ones but like if you, when you see her face she has that face where you've seen her before. And she's been around for a long, long time. A movie's called Reeker. It came out in 2005. So this is during the phase of her becoming an overnight success in Hollywood. Where in, in Hollywood, you have to work 10 years in the industry before you become an overnight success. And that was in that in that time frame. Um, and it's about a that movie's about a, a bunch of college students who were on a roadside trip who end up being in this roadside like motel hotel and they're being killed off one by one by this uh, entity that kind of smells I guess or uh, that brings death uh, and it is the concept of this movie once the reveal is made which you get at the end is awesome and the move this movie the hot thing with Sharon Tate really embodies the concept of Reeker, the 2005 film. The problem is the realization of the twist of Reeker or the, or the what what's what's really going on the reveal. Um, they do they do this concept in the haunting of Sharon Tate, but they sh show it to you over multiple um, sequences, like like they. Uh, how do I say this? It's like sort of like the Matrix, but not the Matrix. Whereas, like they, they have different forms of reality, and and each one is the, they're trying to find uh, because she's she knows she has the premonition of, of her untimely demise. Uh, they're trying to rewrite her her happy ending. So so like in the Tarantino where it comes with it it comes it ends with on a happy ending or on a positive note 
they try to do the same thing too. And as as someone who tries to do something, you know, uh, true Hollywood story like like filmmaking, to switch the narrative at the end, especially when you use dates like August seventh and August eighth, and really lining up the the chain of events to just flip it on flip the narrative at the end um, to give you this um, strange um, hyper reality ending um, is is sort of a letdown uh, it's well you know what I mean I'm not saying that you can't he's not allowed to do that he can uh, it's just you know if you're going to do I guess because he went so strong in trying to deliver authenticity to it and then he goes away from it because he chose to I mean he has I mean Fran can do that you know if it, it is a movie you can try to give a tragedy a positive spin to which is kind of impossible or difficult in concept but uh it is a bizarre film and uh as such it's a movie that requires patience and understanding which is something you shouldn't have to have when you see a movie you should just come into a movie and enjoy it uh this film uh the acting is atrocious uh there is good acting uh, the emotional beats, especially Hillary Duff, I think to think because she's eight months pregnant and she's going through phases too. Um, and I guess they had to rush it. I also know that the, uh, Lydia Hurst had to do some ADR because something was wrong with the audio recording of her audio in the movie. I'm not sure what it was. So it kind of reminds me of the room where they did everything with ADR. Um, and additional uh, record. Yeah, so like ADR is, ADR is uh, when you have to go... Where let's say you, there was like traffic or the, the mic didn't pick it up as low or something like that. Uh, you go into the studio and you record the audio for your line in studio and try to sync it up to what you're seeing. So uh, maybe the sound wasn't that good or something was, it was a train going by. They re-record your audio or you go back in studio, the actor goes back in studio, records the line, and then they sync up that audio that's in, that's in studio to, to the film. So it comes across clearer or with more punch or whatever they want to do with it. So I know for a fact they did that with a lot of Lydia Hurst's performances. And uh, I don't know if that's a... No, I, actually, no, I do know. That is not a good thing. Um, but it's but when you watch the film, it's actually kind of... You don't even know... I had no idea when watching the film that they did most of her lines in ADR. So uh, that's impressive in terms of post-editing. Yeah, but besides that, this film... No, it's just, it's lunatic miles, man. It's just lunatic miles. Okay, so with that, people, I'm Ray. Uh, you can catch us on the Pantheon of M.com. That's www.pantheonofm.com. Uh, you can check out my blogs. Uh, I don't do a blog on any of the Razzie stuff because it's not fair. But in terms of our Friday lineup movies, reviews, or, or shorts, or uh, animations, I try to do a review of that. If I don't, then I'll do a write-up on something else, usually something something that's, that's that I find interesting or something that relates to the time of the day. Like if it's uh, an anniversary of a film, I'll do a review of that film, like the 50th, 50th anniversary of Vertigo, which I did a couple of years ago. We're on iTunes. We're on uh, Podbean, Podbay. 
Uh, we're also on, we're on Radio Public a Podcast. We're on Breaker Radio, Google Podcast, Spotify. Uh, you can catch us on uh, Apple iTunes. Um, you can catch us on various platforms. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Pantheon of M. Uh, I have Instagram at Pantheon of M. Uh, what I've been putting on our Instagram and Twitter accounts is the travels that Evie and I have gone to over the years. We've been to, uh, or I've been to, and Evie's been to many uh, Comic Cons and Fan Expos and Wonder Cons. And uh, when I've been to the States, uh, we, when I used to go to the States, I've been to a number of uh, Comic Cons. Not San Diego. I wish that was like always on my uh, bucket list to go to San Diego, but it's kind of like out of my pocket or financial range to, to do a real good weekend of that but um so if you want to see a lot of the celebrities that we've taken photos of or um that i've been to like the q a conferences uh you catch us you catch that on our twitter and instagram and plus some other stuff too on our instagram stuff like uh, we've had other i've been to other podcasters um live shows they were done in Toronto or Montreal, so that's on Instagram. You, if you know who I'm talking about, you'll get catch. You'll be you'll be able to figure out who they are. Uh, but that's a little plug for them uh, indirectly, and uh, that's about it. So with that, every third Monday of the month, I do a Razor review. Our next one will probably be Medea's family. Uh, sorry, Medea's funeral, uh, which I thought it was the death of the character, which it was not. Uh, so that should be interesting for me to review that movie. So with that, I'll say goodbye. Take care. Bye. Five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead. I was like I was caught in something that I had no control over. I had absolutely no say-so as to what was happening there. I was just like a tool in the hands of the devil. It's the only way I can put it. This person, these these people, they're a threat to my safety and to the safety of my baby. The line's dead. What? 